Look at my butt. Show number 222 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Oh, we're finally online. We are online. And, um, and I don't, on the air. I don't know what it's like in Chicago, but it's very hot here in Northern California. Um, it is beautiful. Oh. Oh, nice. It is so beautiful. Jack and I walked and walked and walked, <laughs> and then we took a, a nap out on the balcony, Aww. and oh my God, you just could not ask for a more gorgeous weekend. How wonderful. Well, um, yeah. I, I was out doing stuff, and then I went for a swim in the pool and sat outside <laughs> on your, your patio furniture and uh, <laughs> had a little drink, so that was all very good. Well, I no longer regard that as my patio <laughs> furniture, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am. It's wonderful. It is perfect. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, gosh, uh, we've got stuff. Let me get to my, my list here. Um, well, let me, I, I really need to talk about the first thing that was on my list because okay. it's just on my mind, and uh, there's, there's, of course, a story around it. So, Of course. Um, you know that there's this TV channel, this cable channel called Decades. Uh, yes. Um, and we get it here in the Bay Area. And uh, every weekend they do a binge, which means uh-huh. they just show uh, episodes of whatever it is back to back to backs for, for the whole weekend. I think. It's, well, I saw I think it was last weekend they were doing all night galleries yes. and I caught, I caught a couple of those. Yep. Yeah. So they do that. And I think it's like a four or a six hour block that they just repeat over and over. OK. So um, my mom, um, who is always telling me stuff, she's like, oh, night gallery is on. You should watch it. And I was like, <laughs> OK. So I, I put it on, and I hadn't remembered this, and I don't think we talked about this, but uh, The Sixth Sense, which I used to watch when it was on, actually got its start as a Night Gallery spinoff. Like, they had done a bunch of episodes on Night Gallery, and then they turned it into a regular series all on its own. I'm not remembering this series. Tell me about it. Well, we watched an episode of it because Bill was in it. And, oh, uh, when, okay. Yeah, when I, <laughs> well, you'll remember in a minute when I tell you what it was, um, when we when I put on the night gallery marathon, I had just missed the episode that Bill had been in, and and then oh. I was like, oh no, have we seen this? And then I realized, yes, we had. So, uh, the the sixth sense was about a guy played by Gary Collins, who is probably the blandest man ever to be on television. <laughs> Not a bad actor or anything, but just very very blonde, very white, very calm. Like you know, his okay. his emotions never really got above a five, uh, <laughs> and he had like. Like ESP, and so every week it was him in, involved in some situation that involved ghosts or psychic powers, and it wasn't really scary. So the mm-hmm. episode that Bill had been in, we watched and laughed over because it was the worst toupee he'd ever had. It was the dead cat that was on top of his head, <laughs> and the episode was called something like, um, you know, "Can a dead man strike from the grave?" or something. And Bill was in this. Oh, I remember, remember this. this. He, he was like a writer, mm-hmm. and he lived in a big old scary yes, house. Yes, yes, yes. That was it. So that was nice. Okay. Anyway, that was, so that was last weekend. And, and then I'm watching the commercials and this past weekend, the uh, binge was celebrity bowling. <laughs> and younger, younger listeners may not know that this was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a show that was on in the early seventies and it was literally celebrities bowling that was it that was the whole premise of the show i remember watching it back then so it was on and i thought gosh i wonder if bill was ever on and he was oh my god well you posted a little clip and i watched it 
And luckily, there were a couple of good butt shots. Yeah. So first but, of all, he the clothes. Yeah. Oh. So he was wearing um, a brown paisley shirt and brown pants to go with it. And he just, he looked really, like, he looked good. You know, he looked mm-hmm. very trim and everything. But um, the clothes were horrible, really bad. And his toupee also was not of the best vintage, I would No, say. this is, I, I've decided we can, you know, sort of... Um, name this era of clothing mm-hmm. um, as one of the, you know, the many eras in Bill's life. And this is, his, these are his game show years. This is true. This is very true. And and I think um, this had originally been filmed and broadcast in 1971. So this is just post-track. And okay. um, he, he was there with his wife, Marcy was there and his three kids were there. Cause I was like, who are those girls? Oh, it's his children. And there was Marcy, but they did not talk with her, like, you know, on game uh-huh. shows, sometimes they bring the families up, but they didn't right, do right. that. Um, so um, I took some notes, and I will say that this episode is not available in its entirety on YouTube, although many episodes are, and it is also not available anywhere, like, on the torrents that I could find. But strangely, it is available on Amazon. Um, so I bought it for $2 oh my God. so that I could watch it and screen cap it. But I'm also going to try to like record the whole thing from my uh-huh. computer, which I haven't tried to do in ages. Like, you know, you can record streaming stuff that way illegally. Yeah. Yes. So I will do that and then I can post it if people want to watch it. Um, so it's only a half an hour show. They just bowl one game, but it's really weird rules. Like there are two people on each team and they go to lanes one and two and each of them bowls uh one one ball and then whoever knocked down the most pins sits down and their partner goes over to their lane and tries to pick up the spare oh okay because i was a little puzzled on that yeah I was going, it's like what, that isn't that isn't how you you play bowling no, it's I, not, i've played that it's not, <laughs> not how bowling normally works so it's some kind of weird rules that they did and um so bill was paired up with a woman named um fran jeffries who I don't know who she is. I guess she's an actor. And uh-huh. uh, she was very nice and, and you know, like uh, sort of the kind of girl that you could see Bill really making a move on, except that uh-huh. Marcy was there, so he didn't right, have a chance. Right. And then on the opposite team were Michelle Lee and Hugh O'Brien, who's like a real actor. Uh, so the most amazing thing to me about this whole thing is that Bill cannot bowl. I know. He's terrible. He clearly has either never been bowling before or maybe like he did it once, but he has no idea what he's doing. No. That so surprised me. I mean, bowling is, especially then, lots of people went bowling. You'd think it would be a thing he would have done. And Bill being Bill, I thought he'd be really good. And I was just so surprised that he was like getting gutter balls. And I know. It's like I could beat him, <laughs> you know? And I was the worst bowler on the worst team in the lowest level of the ladies league and i could beat him most anybody could beat him um he tried really hard oh yeah he was really serious when he was doing it but he had no idea what he was doing and i felt kind Mm -hmm. of bad for him and he looked a little uncomfortable that he was sucking so badly yes Um, and his team lost and i i really did feel bad for him but he didn't seem too angry about it because Mm -hmm. it was his fault (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> yes, his partner yes. was actually pretty good. Um, and um, th- the other thing that was hilarious was that um, Hugh O'Brien, who was on the other team, who, who was an actor, you know, who'd been in um, lots of movies, and he was in a, um, 
oh, what was it called? Uh, a bad movie they did on Mystery Science Theater called Rocket Ship XM, and he had been Wyatt Earp, and you know he he uh-huh. was sort of a a, a he man kind of guy. Yeah. Also, yeah. could not bowl really well. Mm-hmm. But, well, every time he bowled, he like tripped and actually fell down a couple times. Oh my god! And it was hilarious to see him flailing around. <laughs> um, but he actually ended up doing kind of good. Like Ooh. all the slipping and falling made him be a better bowler and and so his team won um so so yeah celebrity bowling now it said on the guide that there were two episodes with bill and i recorded the other one but it wasn't him so i need to do more research and find out if he had actually been on two episodes or whether that was a mistake yeah so bill celebrity bowling people um, I'll, I'll put a link up to the, the little YouTube clip, which will give you a flavor for it. But I will, mm-hmm. at, some, at some point, have the whole episode for people to watch. But this is what people used to do. They would watch, they would sit at home, and they would watch TV people bowling. And that was entertainment in 1970. So, so which is, I don't know, better and worse aren't the terms I want, but which is the more remarkable? Watching celebrities bowling or watching competitive bowling? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, you, you, when you watch the celebrities bowl, you're doing it to see them acting like normal people. Like they have, what is it, that in Us magazine, celebrities, they're, they're just, just like, like us. us. Yeah, <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. And I guess if you watch competitive bowling, it's because maybe, you know, you really, you're a good bowler and you're on a team. Mm-hmm. You, you just like the way people watch tennis and stuff, I guess. Right, right. Oh, celebrity bowling. So that was great. And also seeing the uh, prizes that they would give out to oh. the people. It was kind of like the, um, oh, that's right. So at the beginning, they the two teams get a card, a little index card. And on it, it says who they are bowling for. And I guess it's mm-hmm. people who are in the studio audience. And so how, whatever team wins, the people that they were bowling for, some, you know, two people get whatever the prizes happen to mm-hmm. be for that week. And the prizes are, you know, luggage and uh, some other, like Rolaids and I don't know. Snow ma- tires. Macaroni and cheese was one of the prizes. <laughs> Rice-a-roni, that was another one of the prizes. Do you ever watch Modern Family? I do not, know. Oh, okay. Well, the best character is Phil. And at one point you learned that years and years ago on a game show, Phil won a lifetime's worth of razor blades. Wow. And he became convinced he was going to die that day because he had used the last blade. They used to give some weird shit away on yeah, yeah. on game shows back in the day, back in the day. So, oh yep, God. so that you like that's another media conquered, I guess, you know, celebrity bowling. Sort of conquered. Sort of even though he didn't do a very good job. Yeah, wow. And I wonder if he even remembers that he did that. Really? Marcy mm. looked really bored. She was just sitting well, watching people bowl. <laughs> I know. Unless you're bowling yourself, watching other people bowl is really boring. Now, in the little clip you posted, there was some little kid running around. Was that one of Bill's kids? No, no, that was... I I didn't think so. I I thought that kid was too little to be one of his. I think that was either the child of the the host or um, one of the other people. Bill did a little bit of comedy with that kid, which kind of terrified me. The kid was sort of running around, and at one point, mm-hmm. Bill picked him up as if he was going to throw him down the alley like a bowling yes. ball. Yes. <laughs> it's like, Bill, back off. Wait. This is someone else's <laughs> child. This isn't your child. It's not it that Really? Hard. Wow. So he may be getting a little desperate for the comedy there. I don't know. 
Well, yeah, he was definitely trying to do something to save the situation. Uh, so anyway, that was my, my new Bill experience for the week, was watching wow. him on Celebrity Bowling. Well, my role in the show this week is to just pipe in with arbitrary things <laughs> I suddenly remember, because I didn't supply much in the way of content. Oh, but... um, on Jeopardy, yes. the question was phrased in some way, um, in the... In the or no, it wasn't Jeopardy. It was 500 Questions, which is a different mm -hmm. game show that I watch. But anyway, um, you had to know the name of the actor who, who currently plays Captain Kirk. Mm -hmm. And none of their genius uh, people knew it. Really? Nope. Wow. Well, hmm, that says something right there. It doesn't uh, it? Yeah, it kind of does. So, okay, Ooh. well, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, let's see. Let, let's talk for a moment, just a moment, about um, your e-card that you got from Bill this week. <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay, so I was at work, you know, and I checked my personal email every now and then, and there's there, you got an e-card. And I was like, oh, my God, I know what this is, and I don't go home now for seven hours, and what am I going to do? So it drove me crazy all day. But then when I got home, of course, first thing I did was open the e-card. Mm -hmm. And I know either the, the whole thing you know, without the person's name, had been posted online and stuff, but I hadn't gone and looked at any of this, so it was all new. And, oh, my God, it's so wonderful. <laughs> Bill's sitting in this chair, like, welcome to Masterpiece Theater. Uh, he does even and, have a little fire behind him, doesn't he? I know. <laughs> and he's going, I'm William Shatner, and I've done some strange things. And then he gets up and you know, walks off to the side, and, and then suddenly there's, he's got backup singers, really good backup singers, and they're doing Shout. And Bill did a fantastic job on it. He did. His timing was musically impeccable, because he'd go, you make me want to, and the singers, Shout, you want to shout, you know. Like, oh, man, I was laughing and grinning so big. I loved it so much. <laughs> I'm really glad you liked it. Um, now, when you do this, for those of you who might want to send one of these cards for yourself, you unfortunately have to buy, um, well, you can do a seven-day free trial mm -hmm. at AmericanGreetings.com, um, right. or you can sign up for their uh, monthly or yearly things. And then you go to Bill's page, and you get to select um, different names that are there, or you mm -hmm. can just do a more generic one, which is what I had selected for you, because I mm -hmm. thought my dear was good, and that might be mm -hmm. the way he'd actually talk to you yes um, and then there are different occasions that you can celebrate and there are the standard like birthday and weddings and then there's more more things like just because like thinking of you or, uh -huh. or um you know because you're so special and i think that's the one i chose for you um and then one of the funnier ones on there was um you won the internet which was <laughs> very amusing so are there different songs? No, it's all the same song. Okay, but okay. They 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 did film it with him saying different things. So he had to do it with all those people's names. Right. And with the different um, backgrounds, because you saw when the background singers were there, it said, my dear, in like big neon yes. behind them. Yes. Maybe that was CGI'd in. I don't know. Um, and then he actually says what the occasion is at some point. So mm -hmm. that must have been a lot of work for him. To, that to was a long shoot. It was very, very long. Oh, but he was well good. worth it. He was well really worth good. it. I'm glad. So I'm going to, I have access to it also, and I'm going to try to capture that as well. Um, okay. Getting the audio is easy, but the, the video is really the good part of it. Right. It's so funny. 
well, it was wonderful, and it was so special of you to get Bill to do that for oh, me. Oh, well, you know, it's it's necessary because I know he thinks about you, and he had to, <laughs> he had to say a thing where he actually acknowledged it in public. It was yes, really important. yes. Oh, um, it, was, it was delightful, okay. absolutely good, delightful. Good, good. Um, Bill's in, well, he was in Europe. He's back in the United States right now. He was doing a bunch of different cons in different places. And I started to see some pictures that people had posted at one of the cons where he was taking pictures. And, mm-hmm. and I, I had to laugh in a rueful way because uh, in these photos, anyway, Bill had totally crossed over into Grandpa Bill. Uh-huh. He was wearing a button-down shirt um, that was not doing him any favors. And he was wearing suspenders. I saw a picture like that. Yeah. And really, he really looked like somebody's grandpa. <laughs> wow. Bill on the farm. Oh, man. He's like, okay, I'm an old guy. The belt isn't working to hold my pants up anymore. I got to go with the suspenders. It's just so much easier. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what it looked like. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Oh, Bill. Oh, so funny. Okay, so those were things. Um, let's see. You had put on your list some very interesting um, articles that have been on Entertainment Weekly. I had no idea they were doing this series um, about the Star Trek movies. Well, I guess they are. This was the first one I saw. Um, yeah, this is actually a fairly long article with bazillions of pictures, mm-hmm. but it's... Um, it's actually Entertainment Geekly. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Their Star Trek series goes full Shatner, and it was the discreet charm of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And it's pretty much, um, I mean, just to give you an idea of the flavor, I'm going to read you the beginning of it. Come to the campfire. Listen to the old story. Great space hero Kirk relaxes with funny man McCoy and funny man Spock. Spock has funny flying boots. Hero Kirk needs no such boots. Hero Kirk climbs great mountain, hands so strong, no equipment required. Such skills has Kirk. And they always see see him from far away with hero head turned toward the mountain. I mean, it's just, you know, it's this sort of... uh, a strange re- retelling of the whole thing with a, a ton of pictures. Um, and they refer to uh, whatever his name is, Spock's brother, yes. as Vulcan Jesus. Uh, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yes. And so actually there's never any, <clears throat> excuse me, there's never any like um, critical content to it it's just uh oh oh there is though you have to oh is there where is it after they get done going through the whole movie which i actually have to say went on a little long um, yes after that there is the commentary so yeah you really have to scroll to get to it i was wondering too i was like are you gonna actually talk about the movie (laughs) (laughs) it's good and and they said um the person who wrote this said you know for all its faults there's something very endearing about it and you know there's some good things that bill did some of the shot compositions are really interesting and as most people have said it was an extremely ambitious movie and bill just bit off way more than he could chew mhm um i thought there were there are some things in here that were just a little too snarky like um there's a a picture in here uh, where they're climbing and um Bill Kirk has to stand on Spock's shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, he says, at one point they go full three stooges and Kirk stands on Spock's shoulders. This is simultaneously one of the dumbest and most stunningly revelatory moments in Star Trek history. <laughs> See Nimoy looking up at Shatner, annoyed. See Shatner standing on someone else's shoulders. <laughs> all right, all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's definitely worth a read. You know, you, you don't have to read the whole recap because there there are funny things in it. But um, the the critical stuff I thought was more interesting just to talk about what really worked and what didn't work and where things went wrong and um, what to redeem some of the good things about it because people so often focus on the negative things that there are some really good things in the movie. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to point out that they have been doing the whole Star Trek movie series and the one about Wrath of Khan is really good. You had sent me the link for that some time ago. Oh, okay. And it's called Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan is a movie about acting. <laughs> yes, I remember reading that. Yeah. But, you know, actually you read the article and it's absolutely spot on. It is. It totally is. Um, I never thought about it in those terms, but that's the whole subtext of the movie is that there's always acting. Like it starts off with acting in the Kobayashi Maru where everybody has to pretend to be dead. And then all of the games that Kirk and Khan play with each other are all acting where they have to pretend to be one thing and Mm -hmm. concealing something else. The whole thing is about acting. So, so interesting. Um, and I also liked that they called a lot of attention to the way that Nicholas Meyer shot this movie, that uh, how the framing works and how there are different levels. And just so much of the cinematography is really, really good. Like, I didn't even notice this. Um, he says, notice how Meyer frames Kirk and Spock in the final battle scene. You've seen this scene a hundred times before. Kirk in the captain's chair, Spock reporting. Here, though, there's a delicate layering of planes of action, of shifting focus. There's a blue light on Spock that's very cool. And the battle station red light is on Kirk. And it really, in the frame, it separates them completely, the, the lighting that's different. And I, I, like, of course, I noticed it in the movie, but mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. Like, oh, Spock has the blue light and Kirk has the red light. How appropriate. Yes. It's very cool. So these are great, great articles um, that point out the silliness, but also take it really seriously and discuss them as real, you know, cinematic things that happened, you know, not just throwaway movies, but these are really important movies. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was uh, sort of scrolling through, and here it says, wait, uh, worth putting this in bold type, just to make explicit the utter wrongness. The Final Frontier is the only Star Trek movie where Captain Kirk kills a stripper. (laughs) Yes. That is correct. That happens in in five. Although they don't really linger on it. I mean, the, no. the, he's killing her. He throws her into the pool. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I wanted to actually talk about the Wrath of Khan one because I, I found that such an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Yes. Uh, I have to say, though, I was a little disappointed that in the Star Trek V review, they did not link to the um, music video of um, Captain Kirk climbing a mountain because... You know, I I have that on my iPod, on my playlist. (laughs) You know, just like I have um, uh, To Infinity and Beyond. Yes. Yes. Very important. Now... um, I, I will say one other great thing about this Wrath of Khan review is that there is a little uh, clip which is 
Kirk when he drinks some of the Romulan ale, and it's a really good Shatner swallow. Mm -hmm. Like a a weird one, but a really good one. Like you get to, he doesn't take the time to look at the drink in this clip, although I remember that he did in the movie. Like he looked at the glass. He takes the drink, he holds it in his mouth, he makes a face, and then he does the swallow where he puckers his lips. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the whole Shatner swallow is right there. Yes, the whole thing. <laughs> we should, you know, this would be another project for you when you're not, um, you know, posting celebrity bowling and everything uh-huh. is to put together a compilation of all the Kirks or the Shatner oh, swallows. it is something that I really, really want to do. I want to do, um, <laughs> what they call it, a master cut of yes. all of the Shatner swallows because there are so many. I mean, they go back to... Um, there was a really good one in that um, fugitive episode, right? When mm-hmm. he, he was like the camp counselor, or I don't know what he was doing, but there, I yeah. remember when we watched it, we were like, oh my God, he did the whole thing. He picked up the drink and he yep. looked at it and oh, it was yes. amazing. It is, a, it is a multi-step process. It is. and he, It's not a simple take a drink. So it goes all the way back to his pre-Star Trek stuff, early television, right through to Denny Crane, where he did Shatner mm-hmm. Swallows. So th- there's a lot of material there, including yep. some really good Star Trek Swallows, so. Yeah. yeah, it's a project. It's a project that I would like to, to do one day. That's for sure. Yes. Okay, let's see. Um, do you want to look at this um, article about Star Trek New 50 years ago that robots would take all our jobs? <laughs> sure. This was in Money Magazine. And I know we've said this before, but I am always amazed at all of the Star Trek articles that are appearing in Money Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, like all this <laughs> Investor, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, let's just write about Star Trek. We'll, we'll sort of connect it to the economy, but really it's about right. Star Trek. Um, this was a really good article. So did you have mm-hmm. some thoughts on it that you wanted to express? Well, why don't you start? Because I'm refreshing myself on it. I know okay. I did read it. Um, it, it talked about, um, which many other articles have explored, the fact that Star Trek future, there's no money. And there is this thing called the replicator, which can basically mm-hmm. make anything. So there is no shortage of stuff. You know, there's no mm-hmm. goods and services that people are in need of, except at, you know, some the distant planets where maybe they don't have replicators but within the federation itself and certainly on starships you got a replicator everybody can have everything they need and somehow that hasn't made society grind to a crashing halt which is kind of the way i think it would go in real life if there really were replicators well even well before replicators is you know there's a number of uh, sci-fi short stories and things about being able to to plug yourself into virtual reality, yeah, and you know the people who do these are sort of you know virtual reality heads or whatever, and 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 stay plugged in so long they simply starve to death. Mm-hmm. And it, you know people have said if if somebody actually invented the holodeck, that would be the last thing we'd ever invent. Yes, and I I agree with that completely. Um, yeah. So what would happen if there really was if we had replicators that could make anything? And they could make infinite quantities of them, and they ran mm-hmm. on some kind of energy that we had access to forever, like, I don't know, solar power. You know, I can't even imagine what that would do to humans. Mm-hmm. I think it would either be really, really, really bad, or it would actually, we'd get used to it, and we would go on and actually maybe be like the way it is in Star Trek. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's something... You know, this article makes me wonder about, too, is, is it true that there are always going to be people who want um, 
to do more, to learn more, to understand more. Mm-hmm. And so this to them will be like, a, you know, a blip. Okay, good. You know, I can have a sandwich anytime. I can, you know, have, um, you know, fancy clothes anytime, get them from the replicator, whatever like that. That's all nice. But I'm busy solving this amazing theoretical mm-hmm. um, math physics problem or whatever or would it be that literally the only way to have like a point to your life would be to be in certain fields like space exploration Mm -hmm. where this would be one of many tools you would need but it would not solve all the problems for you yeah i i don't know i i mean when you think about all the repercussions you know how many how many jobs on earth are there that exist to supply stuff you know to to make food and to make objects clothing whatever Mm -hmm. what if all that went away what if you didn't need to do it but all those people wouldn't be starving because they'd have replicators that they could get food from so Mm -hmm. really work would be things that you would do only if you really wanted to do it or if it served some purpose other than just earning money like you wouldn't work to just earn money anymore. You'd work to do something that you really wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you wanted to do things like travel, you know, and you needed money to travel because you'd probably have to pay for that in some way. Right. But um, that would be a complete change. I don't know. It could be good. I could just see how it could be really bad, though, because nobody would want to do anything anymore. Well, that's just it. Um, I can't remember where I read this, but I know that in a lot of uh, like sci-fi philosophy type things, one of the things that comes up is once there are robots to do all the menial tasks to free us from that, we will have that much more time to pursue leisure or meaningful things. Mm-hmm. Do we actually do that? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or I mean, honestly, as a, as a society, we spend a lot of time uh, surfing the net, playing video games, and plunked in front of the TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, Netflix and chill, yeah. so... I don't know. You, you gotta wonder about are we sort of, without really knowing it, relying on there will be people who will say, I don't want this canned stuff, and they're going to be the developers of the new canned stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Or, you know, I am sure you could argue that our um, the reason that we do sit in front of the TV and in front of the, the net and, and looking at cat pictures and stuff is, is as an escape from the inevitability of having to work at jobs that we probably, you know, aren't in love with. Uh-huh. But if we didn't have to work at jobs that we didn't weren't in love with um, and we just had leisure time, all our time was leisure time. Yeah. Would you would you sit there and, and play or would you do other things? I don't know. Well, it's interesting that this article kind of kind of turns around, really examines things, and uh, their um, the metaphor or whatever, or they're saying the replicator is like a metaphor for um, the internet yeah. and Wikipedia, where all this stuff is free. And at the end, it says Star Trek did predict that technologies like these would make the world a better place because they are freely available. Star Trek believed, oh, my screen just went out, that human ingenuity was at its most potent when freely shared and evenly distributed. And its model has been proven right. That is more of an accomplishment than 500 years of utopian literature and philosophy can claim. I'm not sure I would say it's been proven right. No, I don't think so either. I think I agree with the the point of the article that Mm -hmm. um, 
the the internet and Wikipedia, and they also cite the GPS system as a, an amazing yes. thing that's free. You know, they have changed society in a significant way, and they oh, are yes. free, but they're not things. You know, they're not food. Mm-hmm. They're not clothes, objects, jewelry, shelter. Shelter. Yeah. They're not any of those things. They are uh, knowledge, and they are intangible. And I think that's a like a different category of stuff for humans Mm -hmm. because we can't touch it and we can't hold it. So do you kind of feel that we are either on the edge of something huge or on the edge of extinction (laughs) because of it's like we're going to give up? I mean, we went to that let's go to Mars thing and that really gives you hope Mm -hmm. that here are these really intelligent people, very enthusiastic about let's make this happen, let's do this, let's explore and then there's you know, like your cousin who hasn't stopped playing World of Warcraft for the past <laughs> six years or something. I just made that up. I don't know what your cousin does. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe like everything, there's going to be a small portion of people who never leave their houses and are just watching TV all mm-hmm. the time. There's going to be a small portion of people who are like the let's go to Mars folks. And then there's going to be everybody else. And that's the question, right? What is everybody else going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. You know, I, I think about that. Uh-huh. What if I didn't ever have to work again? What would I do? You know? Yeah. I'm, and, and I always tend to think of it in terms of like, there are so many books I haven't read. There are so many movies I haven't seen. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many records that I haven't listened to. There are so many experiences, like normal experiences that I haven't had. It's not like I want to hang glide or anything, but, right. you know, like when was the last time I went to an art museum? You know, I'd like mm-hmm. that would be cool. I could do that. But how long would you would that last you before you started to feel like, wow, I really need to do something? Yes. Something. You need to have a, a goal, yeah. a project. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. I really don't yeah. know, but it's fun to think about. It is. It's fun and it's scary. It can be very scary. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for finding those articles because those were super interesting. It, 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 to me, the most interesting thing is they keep turning up at these magazines that aren't entertainment, aren't geek, aren't even science. You no, know? They're just, and they're not even pop culture either. No, know? no. They're great. Um, we need to take a break, but before we do, I want to read um, a, a funny thing from my friend Catherine, who had a okay. dream about Star Trek, <laughs> All and right. it really cracked me up. So okay. she said, I'm 99% sure that your podcast is the reason I had a weird Trek dream last <laughs> night. Um, I was apparently in New Jersey, in a Vulcan-practicing religious establishment, maybe a church, and I was sitting in a common area being told about Star Trek by a guy dressed as Sarek. Finally, I said to him, you don't have to mansplain. I know Trek. Seriously. (laughs) Which marks the first time I've used mansplain in any way, including in my waking life, and certainly the first time I've dreamed of an old guy dressed as Sarek in New Jersey. It was so strange. No one else in the building was dressed in Vulcan robes. Just that one guy who looked like Sarek. And he... (laughs) Also, he was talking to me about Klingons, going on and on about Gowron, like I didn't know who the fucking leader of the Klingon Empire during DS9 was. Jeez, so insulting. (laughs) So in her dream, she was insulted by a a Sarek lookalike. Right, who was just explaining things to her like she wasn't a Trek fan. That is insulting. (laughs) That is terrible. (laughs) 
Oh my God, that made me laugh so hard. Yes. So if you have dreams out there, listeners, please let us yeah. know if you've gotten, uh, if you've had a, a, a hilarious or insulting dream like that, because it's <laughs> really wonderful. Okay, let's take our break and then we'll come back with more stuff. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. So we're back, right? We are back. I'm looking at, at the list. Where the hell is my list? I know. I'm uh, looking at the wrong thing for the list, uh, too. Oh, well, here's a fun thing. Um, this is a... this. I don't even know where I saw this, but um, someone has designed a two-person tent based mm. on a shuttlecraft. This is so cool. It's amazing. So um, you can get it from North Face, I guess, and Mm-mm. it uh, collapses. It's like a pop-up tent, and it goes down into um, the thrusters. That's the case for it. Yes. And you pack it up, and then you, it's got a little handle on top, and you can just carry it, and you go in from the back, just like a real shuttlecraft. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of was, first of all, this is amazing, and I want one. But the other thing is, what if you were hiking in the woods, and you just suddenly came over the ridge of a hill and you saw this thing like parked down in the valley somewhere would your first thought be oh my god there's a shuttlecraft because mine would oh mine would i would go total uh galaxy quest justin i would i knew it was real i would freak the heck out just be like oh my god there's a shuttlecraft that landed in this field oh my god oh my yep yep (laughs) It's so cool, and I can just, oh, man, it just looks amazing. It really looks like a shuttlecraft. I know. It's so, so good. Uh, <sighs> the guy who designed it said, um, this started as a bunk bed design several months back, but I didn't want to keep posting bed designs, so I shelved it, and I'm glad I could do something different for the shuttlecraft here. Oh, so he good. He is a Canadian artist named Dave Delisle, and it's Dave's Geeky Ideas. Uh. I, I I hope uh, I hope Dave markets this and makes a shitload of money. Me too, because I really want one. Even though I hardly ever go camping, this is the thing that I would choose to be in. Um, yes. To be in there. I mean, even the the cutouts um, for the windows are are like screened, so those are mm-hmm. like your tent windows where you can look yeah. out. It's so cool. It's so amazing. I think it's great. It's just terrific. Okay. So that was a cool thing. I got very excited about that. Oh, Um, yeah. um, And then I wanted to talk a little bit about um, a thing, a Bill thing, which we'd mentioned before. So he's doing this reality show that's called Better Late Than Never. Mm -hmm. And he started to do a little bit of promotion. He tweeted the promotional poster for it. um, And uh, he mentioned it in a couple of other places, although I don't think it's airing until the fall. Uh, yeah, it's premiering sometime around the end of August, so we can look for it then. Okay. And there's a Wikipedia page for it now, which there wasn't before. So I wanted to read a little bit because it had some stuff in it that I had no idea about. Okay. So um, 
it's a series where uh, Bill, Henry Winkler, George Foreman, and Terry Bradshaw go uh, backpacking through Asia without luxuries, experiencing new cultures, and checking off their bucket lists. It was based on a popular South Korean show called Grandpa's Over Flowers. <laughs> Don't okay. know why it's called that, but that's okay. And it got a huge rating, and uh, it became popular in other Asian countries with combinations of veteran actors in their 70s and some young dude um, going along with them for this reality show. So they decided to bring it to um, America. And they filmed it last year, and Bill had been tweeting when they were going around to different places. So mm-hmm. they went to... Um, South Korea, they went to Seoul, they went to Japan, Tokyo, and Kyoto. Um, then they went to Hong Kong, Bangkok, and Chiang Mai. So they, they got around. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The five cast members will rely on each other for support and encouragement and demonstrate that friendship is the ultimate gift. Aww. While filming the show in Southeast Asia, Shatner, the oldest cast member and very active with his career at age 84, became interested in Buddhism and meditation after spending time with a Buddhist monk. Okay, here comes the great quote. He said, "Okay, the disaster of death is encroaching, so I'm more and more aware of how beautiful it is to be alive. Yeah. So, interesting. Bill's becoming a Buddhist, maybe, sort of, kind of. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm going to question the backpacking around Asia part of it, because I just cannot imagine that they're going to actually be living out of their backpacks and staying at, like, hostels and stuff. Well, and most, a lot of the places you named were, were cities, like Hong yeah. Kong and everything, yeah. you know. Yeah, like how rural yeah. do you get in Hong Kong? Not much. I don't think there's not, anything left in Hong Kong. That's I know. Actually that isn't up. paved over. Exactly. Yeah. So that'll be very interesting. Um, let's see. It says, this is the first time a South Korean local variety program was adapted by a North American national broadcast network. Ah. Yeah. So they're betting on this being a big thing. I would bet that mm-hmm. if it is successful, they will do more of it. You know, like um, they, mm-hmm. they would have another series with four other guys. And each episode is going to be an hour long. So I anticipate this is going to give us a hell of a lot to talk about when it's finally <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think so. And uh, no matter what happens, it's going to be more interesting than celebrity bowling. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe Bill will go bowling. Maybe he'll do more bowling. <laughs> Maybe that's on his bucket list is to master bowling. It could be. I don't know. Maybe he's better now, you know. He practiced. He's practiced. Maybe his new house, you know, the house when he did all the re- renovation, maybe he had mm-hmm. a bowling alley put in. Maybe so. I don't know. Bowling just seems like, you know, it's the kind of thing you do with your grandkids. So, well, maybe he just goes and he watches them bowl. He doesn't mm-hmm. actually get up there and do any bowling. I don't know. Whatever. Bowling. <laughs> bowling. Bowling. I, I actually really like bowling. I think bowling is fun. I, I can't see televising it, no matter who's bowling. No, but no, I'll, I'll, I'm with you right there. Um, I, would, I would much rather bowl than play golf. Yes, I agree. Uh, you know, the, for me, I know when you play, people play golf, they get drunk a lot if they're doing it at a country club. But mm-hmm. bowling for me has always been uh, kind of the, the working class, like, let's go out, let's go bowling. And most bowling alleys, you can get drinks served to you while mm-hmm. you're bowling and pizza. And, and so yeah. it's a very sort of like, you know, let's go hang out on a Friday night. And, and the bowling is almost secondary to the socializing when you're just sitting around, you're eating your pizza, you're drinking some beer, you know. The um the bowl, the bowling alley in the place where I grew up, 
um, mm -hmm. had 102 lanes, and it was the <gasps> biggest bowling alley in the United in the world actually for a while. Wow! Yep. It's it's since been torn down, but it was amazing. And I used to bowl there on a league, and they had uh, a pool table, like pool tables, in one section of it where you could only go if you were over 18. And then they mm -hmm. had many many pinball machines, and that's where I I first got a taste of playing pinball, which I still oh, love. Oh wow! Yep. So well, as I mentioned, I was on a league um, with my sister and some friends. And we did that for two years, and uh, and then when the third year came to sign up, one of them said, "You know, I'd love to get together with you girls once a week and drink, but I really don't want to throw that damn ball down the alley anymore." And that was the end of our bowling league days. <laughs> oh man, so funny! It's just amazing to me that it it was a thing, celebrity yes. bowling. Yes. Yes. Well, I don't know. You know, like recently we've looked at um. Whatever that other bad game show was, what was Tattle it Tales? Tattle Tales, oh and God. that brings back memories of Match Game. But I had the TV on, and apparently, maybe this is a summer thing, but one of the networks is going to have like a whole night of new versions <gasps> of these things. Oh, seriously? There's going to be a new version of Match Game, and it's hosted by um, Alex Baldwin. Really? And there's going to be a new version of. Uh, $20,000 pyramid oh hosted God. by somebody I don't know. Oh, please have Bill on again, please. <laughs> <laughs> I would think they would almost have to. I mean, he's such a, a legend. He is. But they were saying it's it's part of, like, I'll say CBS. CBS's big night of games. Wow. Okay. I hadn't heard about that. Now I need to look that up because I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, just one more bowling note before we go to the next thing. So <laughs> okay. Chris Hardwick, who... Um, does many different podcasts and shows and stuff he has had and i don't know if he has it now a web series that's like celebrity bowling except it's not mm -hmm. you know movie stars it's people he knows and one time i watched it because um they were filming it down in san diego when uh it was during comic-con and they had the then cast of doctor who there uh, so Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, mm -hmm. and um, it was really funny to watch them bowling because none of them really knew how to bowl. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good. It was, it was highly amusing. Wow. All right, are we done with that now? Are we done? With I bowling? think we've we've gotten bowling out of our system. <laughs> All right. Well, to wrap up this show, um, I would like to do a little plug for a book and then read you something from that book. Yes, please do. So there's a book that's going to be published in the fall, and it's called Outside In, 114 Unique Perspectives on 114 Original Star Trek Stories by 114 Writers. And I'm one of those writers. I really want to read this, I think this it's, whole book. I think it's going to be great. Um, yeah. Some, some of my other friends in, in um, Trek and Doctor Who fandom contributed to this and I've heard it it's like they did some of the proofreading for it and they were like this is a really good book so I'm, I'm hoping I get one since I actually wrote it and well yeah yeah and since I was early on invited to do it I got to pick which episode I would get to write for so no surprise to anybody I picked Mirror Mirror mm -hmm. and the whole point of the book um, as it had been for the other books that they do I had written one that was a review of a Doctor Who episode uh, was that you had to do it from as they say a unique perspective so it can't just be an episode review. You can't say, mm -hmm. here's what happened and here's what I thought about it. You had to do it in some creative way, like um, as a play or as a poem or from some perspective that hadn't been considered previously. So I was very, very inspired 
in mirror for the mirror mirror one by your series of uh, stories called Dear Miss Lovelorn because I thought those were the funniest things I'd ever read. They're so 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 funny, um, and it's because you really took a unique perspective for each person who wrote for Dear Miss Lovelorn, like taking things that were in the episodes and turning them around to be a, like, this person's not interested in me or what do I do? Or, you know, does my boss really like me? Like, it's just so funny the way you did it. So I was like, okay, well, I think I can do I figure this. we're all, we all think we're the hero of yes, our own story. Exactly. And so, you know, Mr. Kyle has to think the episode's about him. Yes. And that's what I loved about it. So mm-hmm. when I, after watching Mirror Mirror for like the 114th time, um, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I thought I will write a letter to Miss Lovelorn from the perspective of Sulu, because he's not a tertiary character. He's a secondary character and he has mm-hmm. a storyline that goes through it. Yes, um, he does. And, and obviously he would, of course, think he was the hero of the show. So mm-hmm. I'm going to read this to you guys because it's pretty short. And I ter- encourage you all to buy the book when it becomes available. I will let everyone know when it's actually um, for sale. And I don't know what the other 113 stories are like, um, but I can pretty much guarantee you mine is the only one that starts off, Dear Evil Miss Lovelorn. <laughs> so here we go. I think you're safe making that statement. I, I think so. And it's called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. <laughs> Dear Evil Miss Lovelorn. I am the security chief, helmsman, and third in command on the Empire's best starship. Sitting behind that big console on the bridge, I have a front row seat for the amazing adventures that seem to happen every week. I enjoy my job immensely. There's no other career that would allow me to indulge my twin passions of plotting and scheming and brutally efficient homicide. And I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in my career. Time travel, omnipotent alien children, entire planets inhabited by Terran gangsters from the 1930s, transporter accidents that turned one space dog into two and then back into one again, sort of. You name it. (laughs) But the last couple days, take the Kefarian apple cake. We'd been on a run-of-the-mill mission, seeking out new life and new civilizations in order to dominate them and steal their valuable resources, like you do. This particular civilization, the Hawkins, didn't see the the advantage of playing nice with the Empire, and we prepared to implement the standard procedure, which meant I could show off my skills with the ship's phasers. My minor at Empire Academy was in wanton destruction. Of course, I was also getting ready to implement my own standard procedure, skimming 10% of the take from any of the valuable resources we brought back from said planet. It's a system that served me well over the years. Being the security chief has made it that much easier to keep the credits flowing into my pockets. Metaphorically, of course, our uniforms are very sharp, but they don't have pockets. Then things got crazy. First, the captain, I'll call him Tiberius, in quotes, (laughs) beams back from the planet we're about to ransack and puts the ransacking on hold, a straight-up breach of Empire orders. Tiberius is usually an admirably cunning and ruthless captain. His enemies do have a way of disappearing. But everyone, especially our Vulcan first officer, knows he can't get away with this, and they start arguing. The whole bridge crew was waiting to see if Tiberius and the Vulcan would start knocking the crap out of each other, or maybe kiss and make up. Believe me, I've seen it happen. But Tiberius just walks off the bridge in a huff. Awkward. Then, 
Like the Russian hothead that he is, my special friend, the navigator, tries to take out Tiberius. He should know better than to use his own idiot henchmen, one of whom double-crosses him immediately. So he ends up in the agony booth again, and it's up to the Vulcan to take care of the Tiberius problem under orders from the Empire. I know this because I was monitoring his communications. My other minor at Empire Academy was in space spying. <laughs> it occurs to me that I'm going to have a problem if the Vulcan kills Tiberius and becomes captain, because even though he's very definitely evil, he's got some kind of odd integrity that's going to interfere with my standard procedure, and I'm not about to allow that kind of profit to slip away without a fight. By this time, the whole ship knows that something is going on with Tiberius and the rest of the landing party. They're acting like they're from another universe or something. <laughs> Everyone has their own pet theories, but the betting pool is going five to one that it's another space virus, just like that Psy 2000 thing that made all of us quiet and boring until the doctor gave us some drugs and we blew up the planet. That was pretty awful. Except for the planet blowing up part. That was awesome. But whatever the reason, it's clear that Tiberius is not himself, and his strange behavior is jeopardizing the rest of us. And I'm getting a little tired of waiting for the Vulcan to do something about it. Too much talking, not enough killing. Now I came up through the ranks the old-fashioned way, assassinating my superior officers and stepping into their shoes. I see a golden opportunity here to kill two birds with one stone, almost literally. I grab my guys, run down to sickbay where everyone's chasing each other around, space spying, remember? And allow myself a little monologuing so I can explain that I'm going to make it look like the captain and the first officer kill each other, leaving me conveniently in charge of the ship. Go me. I should realize it won't be that easy, not with the kind of day I'm having. Long story short, my henchmen disappear, talk about money down the drain, and Tiberius practically breaks my wrist getting my phaser away with his karate chop. Then he knocks me out, and I must have missed something important, because when I wake up, the Vulcan is doing some kind of freaky psychic interrogation of the doctor and talking about matter transmission and local density fields, and I must have my captain back. Yeah, we know. Believe you me, I don't want to be next in line for this kind of treatment, so I stay on the floor and pretend to be unconscious while they leave. That was yesterday. Today, Tiberius <laughs> is gone, the Vulcan is now the captain, and I'm pulling the weekend shift at Ship's Gold Lame Dispensary. I did an independent study in evil costuming when I was an Empire cadet. Somehow, the Vulcan captain figured out a way to spare the Hawkins and conned the Empire into believing it was a good idea. And Tiberius must have taught him a thing or two before he disappeared into that ether, because the captain's woman is still the captain's woman. I guess there's no accounting for taste. Word in the Jeffreys tube is that big changes are coming. I just hope we all don't have to start sporting that ridiculous beard the Vulcan captain has. These Empire sideburns are bad enough on their own. But here's my problem. I'm afraid I may have ruined my chances with the badass woman who runs communications on the ship. I've been trying to get her to notice me, and I thought I'd finally gotten some interest while the ship was in an uproar. She came right over to me on the bridge and acted like I was the one ignoring her, as if. And then, when things started to get cozy, she belted me and pulled a knife on me. <laughs> well, that's practically an invitation to move into her quarters, but now she's pretending like it never happened. My question is, do I ask Lieutenant Six-Inch Stiletto out again or give up on this relationship? I know we'll probably end up killing each other anyway, but if I had to choose between her and the Russian, I'd pick her every time. Oh, yeah. At least she doesn't end up in the agony booth every other week. <laughs> Please reply soonest. I've been assigned to the next landing party rotation, and I just noticed that everyone else in that group is wearing red uniform, uniform shirts just like me. Yeah. Signed, scarred face, and even more scarred heart. Aww. <laughs>
Bravo. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it was so much fun to write that. It was one of those things where I hate to say it, but it almost wrote itself. Like mm -hmm. as soon as I started down and got into the character, it just went. And it was so much fun to be able to put all that snarky stuff in there. Mm, so thank well. you again for your inspiration. I, oh, it would never have happened I, without you. I think you should be very, very, very happy and proud of what you came up with. And I can't wait to read this whole book. That's yeah, going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So, dear listeners, that is what we have for you this week. Um, you'll notice we haven't talked about Axanar at all because Axanar has gotten really complicated and there's an awful lot of, of things in motion at the time. And I was saying to Kitty before that um, I haven't been keeping up on my reading. So I want to make sure that we, we know everything we're saying so that we're not misspeaking. But, okay. but man, things are happening. And oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. So remember, Axa Monitor is a great website that has a lot of information if you want to keep up mm -hmm. on what's happening. But yeah, it continues to go. And I guess the movie, the, the Beyond movie, that's going to open in June or July or something, yeah, something. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> something, something. So I guess, you know, if, if any of you out there see it, let us know what you think. We, we will be anxious to, to hear your re your reactions, your responses, and, and what you think. Yeah, and, you know, don't worry about spoilers because we don't care. Um, we don't care. And, and we'll say it before we – if you write us a review that has spoilers in it, we'll say spoilers. But, yeah, don't yes. be afraid of giving anything away because we don't care. Mm. Very good. Yeah, okay, well, that's it for this particular episode. Thank you, listeners, for being so loyal and for downloading this episode. We love you. We love you all. Love you all. Live long and potluck. Yep, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm William Shatner. I've done a lot of things in my career, but this takes the cake. This is so cool. You, my dear, today, it's all about you. I'm delivering a whole truckload of love. It's exciting. It makes me want to celebrate. It makes me want to get up out of this chair. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to dance. It makes you me want to shout. Kick my heels up. Shout. Throw my hands up. Shout. Toss my head back. Shout. No, really, people should be shouting your name in the street. Come on now. Sing, sing. that name. Sing that song. Sing it out loud. I want to celebrate. Put it up in light. No one else deserves to be celebrated like you because you are the best. I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know right now you make me want to shout. That's right, you make me want to shout because there really is no doubt. You know what I'm talking about because you make me want to shout.